Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. tells a thousand words and in the world of dentistry where our patients can't see inside their mouths this could not be more powerful welcome back to what i wish i knew my name is erica huin and in this episode we are joined by dr paul j huin to talk about the power of photography and the various ways we can implement this into our appointments to not only communicate and educate but ultimately to help connect better with our patients it's one thing to look smart with tech, take those Insta-worthy photos, but it's a whole different ballgame to know how, and perhaps more importantly, when, to take these photos to really hit home. Again, this is a fantastic episode with Paul with tips we hope you can start implementing today. So sit back, relax, eyes on the road, and we hope you enjoy this episode. It's all about shifting the lens from telling to showing. I don't know if others have this problem that I have, and Erica can attest to this, is I talk a lot. Yeah, we both do. <laughs> we could probably get it from mom. You know, most people probably – and you know, listening has, has been a skill I've had to harness over time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I talk too much, yeah. right? You can ask my wife, my family, Erica, whatever. I talk too much. But when I can talk to someone – while showing them something, it's way more interesting, way, way more interesting. Think about, you know, when you're back at primary school, kindergarten, it's called- Yeah, picture storybooks, right? No, no, no. It's called (laughs) show and tell. Not tell and show, show and tell because it's relevant. It's visual, visualization. I think people, uh, you know, some people say they're visual learners or whatever. I think most people are visual learners. Um, if you can see something, whether they like seeing it or not, it has an immediate impact. So photography is our dental way of doing that. Yeah. I guess it's like it's true in a lot of other senses, right? Like even when you, if you're listening to a speaker who's just standing in front of you and talking versus whether they have like a PowerPoint presentation, which is visually appealing. They've got photos of things that they're referring to, diagrams. It helps put things into context. Yeah, right? yeah I'll give you a real life example, right? If you go to a car dealership, the first thing they will do, a good car dealership, I'm, I'm trying to think whether good is good for them or good for me for a second there, but <laughs> uh, my recent experience, right, I, I said to them, you know, I was looking, at, I was interested in a car and they go to me, do you want a test drive? They didn't even show, they didn't even like give me a brochure, give me a breakdown of what the features of the car were you know, that's called benefit selling. They just went, do you want to get in the car and actually drive it? I said, hell yeah, I want to do that because I've already done my research about it, right? So think about those patients who have actually, now, again, two different patients. There's patients who are oblivious to what what the problem is and then there's other people who are, are interested in, in what they want to fix. They're the ones who have probably done a little bit of research. You go from just being, hey, let me show you the problem and go on from there. So a real life example. Test driving. Actually, how do you go about using your photos? Like practically speaking, at what point are you taking the photos? What kind of photos are you taking? And how do you present this to a patient? The first thing to note is that you have to do a really, really good ask all the right questions at the very beginning. That that, that prefaces the entire part. And we've done a podcast last time on that. So you should listen to that before you listen to this. The photos I do are kind of a part of the test and investigation section. So what I mean by that, you know, you've done your examination, you've done your charting. 
you've taken your bite wings and maybe perhaps while the bite wings are being processed, you can then take the photo. There are a whole bunch of different options of doing this. My preferred method is to use a DSLR camera. So all my clinics have a DSLR camera in every room to use. Um, it formulates a huge part of the way we work. Other people use intraoral cameras, which are, are perfectly fine. You might need to take more photos with that, but that's okay. Other people use those little point and shoot ones, also okay. Doesn't matter as long as you can take a series of photos. Um, what kind of photos am I taking? I usually, you know, take a full set of retracted photos. If you get really, so, you know, frontal, left, right buckle shots, upper occlusal, lower occlusal, or even quadrant photos, they really, really help. If you can get about five to eight photos per patient and you get really good at it, it only takes you about a minute to two minutes to do. It doesn't really take that much time. The way I uh, work that into my workflow is to do it while the x-rays are processing. So honestly, while by the time my nurses have walked back into the room, with the x-rays up on my computer, I've already taken my photo set. The next thing I generally do, if it's okay, is I try not to talk to my patients about anything. Because, you know, during the examination, we've probably written a lot of stuff, said a lot of stuff, we've taken a bunch of x-rays and we've taken a bunch of photos. Patients are curious. They go, you know, how's it looking? Where's it go from here? Don't say anything. You, you wait. Remember, it's show and tell. Don't not tell and show. Just say, look, uh, I'm just gathering all the information. I'll We'll sit at the computer a little bit later and we'll go through it together. Um, in the meantime, I'm just going to do a few more things. If you've got tests, you need to do CO2 tests, you need to do TTP, all that kind of stuff. Go do all that. And then if it's appropriate and you've got time, do a clean, you know, if you can. That's that's a great workflow tip for everyone. Don't talk and then do a clean because most of the time, if you like me, you talk and then by the time the, you need to do a clean, you're already 10 minutes late and then you add another 10 minutes late. So this one's for all the DAs out there. Um, do your clean and then and then do your talk because um, if you need to cut the conversation short, you can always rebook the patient later. As dentists and dental students, we all have difficult days. You may experience workplace or training demands that have a direct impact on your physical, emotional, and psychological health and well-being. This is exactly what dental practitioner support is for. It's a completely confidential and independently run service that's funded by the Dental Board of Australia in an effort to support practitioners and dental students right across the country. Sometimes people call just at the end of a long day to debrief, but sometimes they call because there's more challenging things going on. Dental practitioner support is there for you in these times to give proactive advice, help you improve your health and well-being before there are major concerns. We all need a helping hand sometimes, and it's okay to ask for help. So if you find you need it, call 1-800-377-700 or visit the website dpsupport.org.au. They have loads of great information to get you started. So then you're bringing up, okay, you've done your clean now and then you've said to your patient, okay, like why don't you come take a seat next to the computer and you're bringing up, I assuming, the x-rays and then are you showing all their photos? Actually, how does this go? Because I've seen situations where patients are like, oh, dear Lord, please don't show me like my teeth. I don't want to have a look at it. Yeah, right? yeah. How do you go about showing them their teeth and do you just like put it in front of them? Is there a way, a delicate way of talking them through the photos? Is there a right or wrong way? essentially at showing someone their photos and then how to talk about what you're concerned. A, a lot of different ways. I'll, I'll try and give a framework for everyone to kind of work this through. But specifically on that scenario where you said, oh, I've got a patient who goes, I never want to see those photos. I reckon that happens to me one in a few hundred. Uh, I think most dentists probably have a, a, an issue where they go, oh, I'm just concerned about 
this issue that the patient will run into. Most of the time, it's not it's not a problem. I show them. Even they might go, oh, that looks disgusting. It doesn't mean hide that away from me. Don't show me that. Try to objectify it. Talk to them what's going bad. So let's go back. How do I present it? Look, I generally don't spend that much time on x-rays, to be honest with you, or radiographs. Radiographs are more for us to look at. You know, if there's an obvious radiolucency on the apical area, I can tell them that it's an infection. Um, if there's a, a massive carious hole in one of the teeth, again, I show that, but, you know, I don't show them interproximal DJ lesions or anything like that. Photos are a lot more relevant. So anyway, one of the first questions I'll say to them, just to ease them into it, is that, Mrs. Jones, have you ever seen photos of your teeth? That's a nice way to ease in, yeah. No, I haven't. Okay. It might be a bit confronting, but I'll I'll talk you through it. And the first bit, the first thing, just like a good compliment sandwich, you show them a good thing. So you pick the quadrant with nothing. The quadrant with beautiful restoration or the quadrant with nothing, no staining. It's beautiful. And you go, this is, just, this is exactly what I want to see. So this is on your top right part of your mouth that I see. It's a quadrant photo. Um, as you can see here, whole teeth, you know, a little bit of wear here, a little bit of staining. That's not a hole, just so you wear it. But this is a excellent section, probably your best side of your mouth. Fantastic. Nothing scary. Then I'll ease them into it. Then I'll go to them and I'll go, okay, this the second part, Miss Jones, you know, this is where you've, you've had a filling that makes up about 50% of the tooth. Um, you know, it, it looks like it's been done really well. You had a, a really great dentist who, who's done some excellent work for you in the past. Um, I'm not going to touch that. That looks okay. Um, and then you, show, then, then you show them something that doesn't look that great. And then I kind of put it up because now in their mind, they kind of have an idea of what looks good. And then put up something that doesn't look that great, like a deteriorating restoration or, you know, a, a grossly carrier's tooth. And I put it up and I almost don't say anything. And just go, let me show you this side. I put the photo up and I just go and I just look at it. And, and they'll look at it and I'll wait for a response. And uh, that's difficult for me and difficult for most dentists, I believe, but you kind of just wait for a response. And they go, that doesn't look good. And you go... Yeah, do you see what I see? Because yeah, that black thing doesn't look really nice. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. You, do you remember Miss Jones? I was saying to you a little bit early in the time that you know we we can have a lot of problems in our mouth, um, but not have any pain. This is one of those instances. And then you begin to talk about the problem, and you know, you, you I think you asked me a little bit earlier uh, in this or a previous podcast about educating patients. When, when I talk about educating patients, I'm not telling you to throw the textbook at them. Don't grab page 96, rip it out, and shove it into the mouth. Don't do not do that. Yeah, no one's going to like no, that. No, no. <laughs> what you need to do is talk about what will happen if they do nothing. What will ha happen and tell them something that you know will impact them. So say, for example, like, you know, I'll give you a quick example. Mrs. Jones, what, what we see here is, you know, it's 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 a tooth that um, has a really big hole in it and it's quite dark, it's quite black. And based on the x-ray I looked at before, it's actually into the nerve already. I know you're not in any pain, but if we leave this alone, this could become a swelling. This could become an infection. It could make you really, really unwell. There are some people who get hospitalized with these things. Probably won't happen to you, but it can happen. And and the worst case scenario is that, you know, you might you might need to lose this tooth. And, you know, you were just saying to me before that you, you eat really well. Um, you don't have any trouble chewing and, you know, perhaps it will or perhaps it won't, but um, it, it may impact your ability to eat. 
Um, I don't know how you feel about that. And you just wait. That part's that part's important because the silence is about, and it's a learned learned thing, right? It really is. It's about trying to see who's going to fill in that gap earlier. If I say I don't know how you feel about that, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to invite them to say something, good or bad, and they'll say one or two things. He goes, "Well, that doesn't sound good at all." And then, or they might say, well, what do we do about it? And that's perfect, right? There's a difference. That's, if there are golden words that you want to hear from a patient is, what are we going to do about it? How do we fix it? That's a patient's invitation for you to present treatment. As opposed to you throwing a solution at them that they didn't ask for. Correct, versus... You're saying, Mrs. Jones, you've got a hole here. I need to do a root canal and I need to do a crown and it's going to cost you $3,000. What? Right? It's like, it's like trying to take um, – it's like trying to – it's like um, forcing your way into someone's house without being invited in for a coffee. Do you get what I mean? Because, because Mr. Jones might actually say to you, Paul, it's been like that for 10 years. It really doesn't bother me. And, you, and, and, and this is where it's important. You, you, I, I talk to my associates about this all the time. You've got to be – our job is to educate our patients, mm-hmm. right? And be okay. And be okay with what they say to us. You know, it might not be what we want to hear. It might not be what I want to hear. But we've got to accept that. Because what I've just done is I've given my patient informed I, – I, I've, I've, I've informed them. I'm not being negligent. I've informed them of the risk. And – they've consented to leaving that problem alone, even though I've told them that that's not the right idea. Do you get what I mean? As opposed to kind of just seeing it, acknowledging it, but not telling the patient the problem. So so that's my approach with most of the time. And, and, and most people will say, okay, what do we do about it? How can we fix it? I think the interesting thing that you mentioned that you do, and I think something that even personally I have to learn, is where you're saying withholding, saying everything until that moment where you can show and tell them. Because I think even just think reflecting on how I would normally do things, you'd be like charting, you'd be noting things like, oh, you know, this tooth doesn't look too good. Oh, I think that feeling might need to be replaced or, you know, um, looks like there might be infection here. Do you do all of that or do you just not say anything and just wait till you're showing them the photos and then talk about those issues? Then? I'll wait till I'm showing them the photos because it's show and tell. If I tell them everything, <clears throat> don't get me wrong, this doesn't apply to 100% of patients, right? It could be 50-50, it could be 75-25. But the thing is, there will be people who are quite astute, uh, quite in, quite bright in the health field, and everything you speak to them, it, it, they just understand. But you can't assume that in everyone. So that's why my default is to treat everyone the same way. Because even those people who are astute, who are bright, who understand things and pick up on concepts really quickly – is it has an even bigger impact when you show the photo to them afterwards. And they're a lot more driven to go towards doing something. It has a profound difference in the result uh, when you show a photo versus when you don't. And, and, and honestly, to this day, right, since I've bought a camera, since I've bought a camera, 
there isn't my my nurses and my associates will attest to this most patients who i see on a day-to-day basis even for just regular checkups and, and recalls i still take photos Digital dentistry is a booming field that is becoming more popular by the day. If you've hesitated taking the plunge into what is a rapidly growing sector of our profession, then look no further. Avant Dental is a dental laboratory that specializes in digital dentistry. Avant Dental provides a range of services to dentists. Digital splints, digital wax-ups, implant guides, implant prosthetics, to our bread and butter crown and bridge work. They can do it all. Not only does Avant help in making sure you're doing everything right, but they are strong advocates for educating dentists. They've opened a new education center for clinical-based training sessions on all the latest techniques. Give them a call today or visit them at www.avantdental.com.au to find out more. How else are you using your photos? Because you were saying how you you use it to help the patient understand what their mouth looks like, what the current condition is, and you use it to help educate them. Do you? And you were saying, but you'll still take photos at every appointment, and you'll still do it. You know, as I know, people use it as documenting. Um, but how else can we utilize our photos? Photos are are so aside from educating patients, it's for us. So you mentioned documenting. What are we documenting? Number one, we're documenting our own journey. We're documenting on how, you know, if you do a filling or you do a crown or whatever it is, it allows us to kind of reflect on our own work. That's that's a really key component. But my favorite thing, my absolute favorite thing with photography is building a portfolio. Every dentist, every dental student, you know, invest in a pair of loops or if you're lucky enough to have a camera at your workplace, one of the first things you need to do and with patient consent is to build a portfolio. What I mean by that is to have before and afters. Could be a filling, could be a front filling, could be bonding. When you get more experience, crowns, rehab, veneers, ortho, you need a portfolio of before and afters. And you can start this from day one. You know, the quicker you start on this journey, the better it will be. And this is why it's relevant, right? It's This is why it's relevant. It's, it's, another communication technique. And I, I, I firmly believe this is one of the biggest things that affect my case acceptance. I want everyone to think about the amount of research they they put in to uh, when they are considering buying something substantial. Let's use an Apple iMac as an example, or you know a MacBook Pro. Your first instance of this is probably because one of your friends bought one. I can tell you right now, I, we're, we're recording this on an iPad, right? And one of my associates had an iPad. I, I, you know, I, I had an iPad really, really early version of it and I moved away from it. And then one day my associate just rocked up and we were doing this mentoring on his iPad and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And what this concept is, is it's social proofing. And social proof is when you see other people doing something that it makes it feel a lot more normal. And, you know, I'll give you a quick example. It could be a situation where I'm doing a crown for a patient or I'm presenting an option to do a crown for the patient. 
I'm saying to him, oh, Mr. Jones, look, we've got this tooth. It's heavily, it's heavily broken down and, you know, one of the options is to do a filling, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and another way of fixing it is to do a crown. Um, and the blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to go into the details of how I present that crown. And I'll say to him, look, the crown will uh, fix it too. It will be a lot more long-term, blah, blah, blah. Um, and those are your two options. Before I let the patient respond to me, before I even give them, they, they might, some might go, yeah, let's fix it. And then I don't have to do anything. But if I'm seeing any body language or I'm gauging how the conversation's going, it's not going well. What I do is go, look, uh, your case reminds me of one other case that I did fairly recently. So let me bring it up. And then I, I type the name up, I'll bring up the case and I show them and I said, look, oh, and I give them a small history. Uh, Mrs. Jones this is um, Mary who I saw a, a few months ago and this was what her tooth looked like. Put up a photo of, of the case. And again, I don't say anything. I just then look at it and they go, I'm like, does it look familiar? And they go, yes, it does. And then I press next and it's an after photo of how we fix it. And then they go, oh, that looks a lot better. And it does two things. Why social? Why you need to build? Let's summarize all this. You building a portfolio before and afters as early as can um, does two things. It does social proofing, and what that social proofing is basically telling the patient that they're not alone. They're not the only ones in this world with this problem, and that there are other people fixing these teeth in the best and proper way. That's really important because most patients who sit there, they feel under pressure. They feel under pressure. They're like, oh, God, my dentist is telling me to spend this much amount of money on fixing the tooth and I don't have that amount of money and I don't know if I trust him, right? Showing them that you've, you, there are other patients out there is, is, is point number one. And point number two is that it shows your experience and your skill. It, 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 the patient goes, you know, again, you're the first person, I, you're, the, you're a stranger, remember. I've only been sitting in this dental room with you for 45 minutes and you're trying to sell me something big. I don't know you from a bar of soap. How good are you? You look 12. You know, I, you, when I first came out, my, my patient so said to me, oh, you know, you look 14, you know. Uh, and, and I guarantee there's gonna be, that's going to happen to a lot of people who are graduating right now. So, so build a portfolio. If, you, if you're concerned about having youthful genes... <laughs> Put a portfolio, put a portfolio, because people, yeah. the patient will go, "Oh, you've done this before. You're experienced. You're experienced. Yeah. You know what you're doing." And and you know, and if that pa- and if that one case hasn't turned the patient around, show them another case. Do you structure your portfolio in any way? Like, do you have certain folders where you're like, these are. Um, cases of when for example veneers were done or simple filling was done or dentures were done or do you just remember certain patients or certain cases do you just bring the same ones up that's a, like how do you structure that that's a really good thing i um i do enough cases where i actually just remember my patient's name i, I think that feels a lot more organic a lot more genuine and, you know, I could, this patient who I saw the other day could have been the same patient for the last three months, as an example. That's still the other day. I tried to do that. It looks a lot more organic, a lot more genuine. And, and it is. This is the whole purpose. I'm not telling people to be disingenuous. For the higher level kind of cases, you know, we're talking veneers, uh, rehabs, ortho, then I do have a, a portfolio where I go about that. Now, I don't think there's a wrong or right way about it. It's just about 
um, how you want to go about it. Uh, I know some dentists to like to do like uh, some boutique practices like to make a book as an example. Um, that's that's okay too. You, know, you can leave that in your waiting room. Uh, I've never personally done that because I like how this works. But yeah, good question. I really like it. And I especially like the analogy you drew to real life. I think it's something that we can all relate to where, you know, you want to buy a product or you want to have, you know, a procedure done or something. And it's that trepidation where you're like, oh, I don't know anyone who's done it. I don't know if it's good or not. And you're getting buried in Google and doing all this research into things that you don't quite understand. But then you have one friend that said, oh yeah, I had this done the other day or I bought this the other day. And it's like instant confirmation or reassurance that, oh, if they did it, then you know, I can do it too, or it's not so scary. Yeah. It kind of dispels it a little that's bit. That's right, that's right. And, and you know, the, the, it kind of, to put this into a little bit of um, context, think about why word of mouth is so powerful, you know. You know, if you're looking for a hairdresser, an accountant, a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, word of mouth build, instantly builds a relationship between you and that person because there's been other people who have gone down that track. And whilst in a perfect world where we wouldn't have to spend um, money on marketing and advertising, word of mouth is is the way to go for sure. But that's not the reality. Most patients will walk through the door, particularly graduates, dental students who have never had, don't have any experience. They don't know you from a bar zone. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.